computers. This is Intelligent Performance. Welcome to Intelligent Performance, where we are fanatical about excellence in human endeavor. And today we welcome Mickey Kennedy from eReleases, a expert and a industry veteran of all things PR. We're gonna dive into what does it take to actually get results from PR. And we're talking media releases, we're talking about how to get the attention of journalists in an ever increasingly noisy media world. So Mickey, I tell you, has got the sticking power of not many people these days. He's been in this industry for 24 years and he's had the pleasure of working with a bunch of different companies, specifically become one of the favored PR outlets for Shark Tank US. And so we're gonna go into what does it take to build a campaign which stands out and what can you do in your business to make sure that your work and your industry and your kind of focus is actually newsworthy enough for people to pick it up and write about it. So we're super excited about this conversation. Let's dive straight in. Mickey, great to have you with us. And where I'd love to start is your take on intelligent performance when it comes to all things PR. It's a big topic. So what do you think? How would you think about intelligent performance in this space? I think that you know the biggest mistakes I see people make is they focus on the writing of a press release, that it be like really crisp writing. And it really doesn't have to be. You write about is the important thing, what I call the strategic part of the press release. You know, the two most common type of press releases we get are new hire, and it's usually not a major industry veteran or a CEO or president. And and the second biggest type of press release we get is a product launch, which is usually just, here's our product, here is a list of features, and here's a buy now button. And really doesn't work that way. You really have to provide the enough information for a journalist to build a story because journalists are story builders. And if you have those elements and you put them in the press release and you know you stand a higher chance that that's enough for them to work with. With a product launch press release, one of the things I caution people to do is, you know, put a use case study in there. You know, you certainly beta tested it. You had, you know, customers try out the product beforehand. What were their results? And get a quote by them, you know, we, we saw a 17% improvement in this, and here's an amazing quote about the product. All of a sudden, a journalist can still, you know, mention features and talk about the product, but they have a concrete business that they can build it around in, in the article and create a story arc. Okay, interesting. And so people are obsessing about written English, and they've got the punctuation in the right place and things like that, but really missing the real, the real nuance of it. So, Mickey, tell me, you've been in this game, you know, you've been running e-releases for, I think, 24 years now. What What is it that you're so passionate or you see in PR that perhaps other people might overlook? I think that I see the huge successes. I see the client who spends $400 on a press release and gets more than $10 million in sales as a result of it. Wow. We, we, we had a client over the pandemic who created this dining bond initiative to help restaurants that were closed. It was a very short-lived project and they sent out one press release and got over 150 articles. We actually stopped counting because there were so many small <laughs> papers that picked it up, but the wow. large papers picked it up as well, like Washington Post, Wall Street Journal. We have a case study of it on our website. And you know, you can't do that with marketing. You can't plug mm. in 400 bucks and get 10 million plus and 150 articles about you. But with PR, and you know, utilizing a wire, you can, you know, 
you get that availability to everyone. And if your press release is strategic enough and newsworthy enough, it could really go far. Interesting. And I think in some ways it epitomizes intelligent performance because that's like a highly leveraged, like like you say, spending 400 bucks, a bit of time crafting this message and getting it right, then it can have phenomenal results. I guess the contrarian would be that there's so much noise out there. It's really hard to stand out, Mickey. And, and in terms of getting it right with like AI, I'm intrigued. Like, are you seeing much change in that space? Like, is it harder to compete or is it maybe it's even easier to stand out these days? I think it is hard to compete overall because there's so many people doing so many releases and most of them are mediocre. And I, my job at e-releases, because I've stepped away from the day-to-day -day stuff, is to educate my customers and tell them about the types of press releases that I see working again and again, and that that's what they should be you know, working on. And these types of strategic press releases may take a little bit more work than a normal one, but you know, the end result is a much higher success rate. I, I have a, basically a, a bet with my customers that if you follow my model, to do a survey or study with your industry and you don't get at least four articles from one press release, I will continue to do press releases for free until you do. No one has ever taken me up on it or you know lost because every time they do it, they get the results. And it is you know strange to think that a PR firm, most PR firms will offer no guarantee with a one-year contract. And yet I can say, if you do this one type of press release, you will get at least four articles. And on average, most of my clients get between eight and 14 articles when they do a survey or study. It does take a little bit more work because you have to put together the right questions. And, you know, there is a little bit of art to that. But, you know, basically you ask things that are really topical right now. You know, what are what's going on in your industry? You know, there's, you know, people who are dealing with, you know, working remotely and they want to not go back into the office. Is that a challenge in your business? Ask some questions about it. You know, is there a hiring freeze or difficulty hiring, or are you laying off, you know, what, what's going on, you know, what's your marketing budgets for the next two quarters. So if you ask really relevant and timely questions, you know, people want to know the answer overall, you know, what, what are people saying? And I think that that's where you can really, you know, stand out, you know, make the news by, by putting together that survey, getting the results and then, you know, publishing them in a press release. And, you know, I get pushback from clients of like, well, I don't know enough people in my industry to ask them to do a survey, but there's so many independent and small trade associations in every industry. Reach out to them, not the large ones, but the small ones will see it as a win-win if you approach them and say, could you send this link to your members in exchange? I'll mention you in a press release I'll be issuing over the wire. And they don't get a lot of media love like the large trade associations. So often they'll do that. And as long as you get a you know a couple hundred responses or more, you know, the press release generally will do really well with the media. Wow. Okay. Interesting. And is that a is that a bet you're willing to take with all the listeners on here? That if <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Well, it is interesting. I think the use of guaranteed by marketing firms or or lack thereof, especially ones who yeah prof profess that to be highly skilled in their space, and they ask the client to take all the risk. So that nah, that's um, refreshing to hear, Mickey. So just tell me. You mentioned just just as we came on that you've had the pleasure of working with a number of firms who've gone on to Shark Tank in the US. That is, so I'm a massive advocate watcher of Shark Tank. I think some of the 
your your version is far more entertaining than I think a lot of the, like the British versions and things like this. A lot more dramatic than more subdued British versions. So, tell us, how did you come across that relationship? Or how did that kind of interaction with with Shark Tank develop? Well, actually, I was watching Shark Tank and I was noticing that hey, these people just did press releases with us, and so I reached out to them and said, "Hey, how did you find out about us?" And they said. <laughs> They said that the producers of the show had mentioned that a few people have worked with us that started out on the show and have done really well, like Squatty Potty and Manscaped had really good experiences working with us. And, right. uh, you know, a lot, a lot of, I'd say about a third of the people that go on Shark Tank have probably done releases before their episode aired, you know, marketing them uh, through PR. So why, what is it about doing the press release just before you go on, which is so useful, important? I think it's just sort of, you know, getting some visibility, getting people excited to go and watch this episode, because generally you've got your elevator elevator pitch in the press release talking about what you do as a company. And so all of a sudden eyes are on this. And they're going to make sure, you know, if there is a kinship with them, like, oh, this is in my industry or this is someone who's local to us or in our state. This is really cool. So it makes them a little more energized and wanting to watch the episode. Yeah. And, and in terms of that context, given that, the broad base appeal of of Shark Tank and and it, and it seems that if even if just being on the show can explode businesses, regardless of whether they get investment or not, sometimes. So, what have you observed being a kind of a third party, third party observer in some regards with you know Squatty Potty? I'm not familiar with that one in particular, but like what have you, yeah, what have you seen in that space? I, I think that the thing that I've seen is they're pretty successful. They do pretty well. They get usually get a few articles. Every time they do their, their their press release, I think it helps that you're on a national TV show. That definitely is more newsworthy. But I also think that there's a reason these companies were picked by Shark Tank. They're doing something unique, interesting, and they've got the elevator pitch down pat. You know, when they go on, they can very succinctly say what they do that's different than everybody else. And I think that you know, that's a lesson for other companies that come to PR. You know, are are you in, you know, do you have succinctly in two or three sentences what you do that's different than everybody else in your industry? And you want to own that and sort of build a moat around it and, and defend it. And I think that that's what a lot of these people who appear on Shark Tank have done is they've they've usually got a quirky or different or fun little gap that they've found and they've created a solution for it. And I think that that's why people like to watch it and, you know, they find it sort of interesting and, and you know, sometimes it can be strange or outlandish. Yeah, for sure. I think especially to a non-American audience, I think it's particularly, it's particularly like that. So just in terms of coming back to AI technology and then PR, and actually I'd love to pick up on, Maybe we'll come back to that in a sec, but what is this strategic PR piece? like? Because And then it'd be interesting to understand how do you think about something as, as newworthy, newsworthy, sorry, because I think that can be really tricky for businesses when they've been in the business for so long. They're so close to the action, they can't see the wood through the trees. So let's just think about, yeah, that strategic PR. What do you mean when you kind of use that those kind of terms together? Right. So, you know, there's, there's lots strategic types of press releases and you know i feel like one is like owning your story what's your usp you know how you came to be is it the product came to light because of a inspiration or the company came to light because of an inspiration 
sometimes it can be an obstacle that was overcome. You know, sometimes it's it's a health thing or, you know, a recently widowed person who is creating something for their children. It's it's something that has a human element and draws people in. And that's really important, especially with that story arc that I talked about, is to have that. And I think that that's one of the things that the people on Shark Tank are really good about as well, is sort of being vulnerable and sharing themselves, you know, and, and just putting it all out there. Okay, interesting. So you're meaning strategy as in ensuring that story communicates that's what you mean by strategic is that right right that, that, that you are telling something that's really compelling interesting at the end of the day okay. journalists are more gatekeepers than writers and they're trying to determine what information to allow to come in and share with their audience and i think that if you can reverse engineer from that standpoint and yep. say I want to write a press release that promotes this product and sells a lot of it and say, hey, let's what could I do to make this product more appealing to a journalist audience? What would they find really intriguing? You know, the focus of the press release might shift and change, but at the end of the day, you know, the likelihood that a journalist writes about it is much higher and that will result in more sales and more eyeballs and more people seeing the product. Yeah. Okay. And then so then it comes to that newsworthy piece then. So Let's say you've been in a business, it's, you know, a couple of years old now, and it's, you know, you've seen some success, but it hasn't really exploded. How would you kind of advise someone that's really pick out the newsworthiness? Because I think sometimes business owners can feel like, oh, mate, maybe if my business was really newsworthy, they would have, someone else would have written about it already or, or something like that. Like, how do you kind of deal with that? maybe imposter syndrome, perhaps, or kind of lacking belief in, in the product. Right. So imposter syndrome is really big. So many people feel like I'm a small company, I don't matter. And <laughs> the the ironic thing is, you have to look at it from the standpoint of a journalist. A journalist given the chance to write an article about a large, well-funded company, or somebody that's small that nobody knows, they like to write about the small company that no one knows because it gives them more clout as sort of like, you know, that they've discovered this this gem where the larger company, everybody knows them most of the time. And so you're not really introducing them. So there's a curating standpoint of, you know, being, you know, small and unknown and being discovered. I think that, you know, can recall reading several articles over the years that it's a Kickstarter campaign. And, you know, it's like, oh, this is really cool. And this journalist, you know, really brought something and is talking about something that really interests me. And I just go to the Kickstarter and buy and support, you know, and back that. And I think that that's sort of what happens with PR, that when people read an article, it's like, you know, third party corroboration or social proof in a way where this journalist has given you credibility by writing about you and it's trusted. And as a result, when people read it, they often feel really good and they want to do business with that company. They don't say, hey, I want to open a new window and see if I can get it cheaper at Amazon or somewhere else. They really get invested and emotionally triggers them in a way that's completely different from advertising. And, you know, it's hard... It's hard to imagine, but I have had some clients who've gotten people click through from a story or article and say like 400 people click through and they got like 150 sales out of it. And they're just like, 
you know, is is this right? Could this be this many people converting? Yeah. And it's not unheard of with 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 PR, but you know, take a sales page that you advertise, you're not going to get a conversion rate of a third or anything approaching that for most people in most industries. But is it? I guess it's a, you've certainly and rightly kind of spoken about the really cool things where it does hit and explode. Is there? Is would there be industry averages though? Like. I guess the reality is that maybe for every 10 press releases, not 10 explode. Mickey, is that what you find? Is it really like luck of the draw or is it, is it a numbers game from, from that regard? There's a little bit of luck, but I, I tell people that if you do a PR campaign of six to eight press releases and you do strategic types of press releases, you will generally see two or three of those do really well and get earned media, what we call when you get an article written about you. And, you know, as opposed to, I think, if you just did a dozen press releases on just the average subject that people pick, yeah. it's quite possible that none of them do very well. Yep. You know, the, ty- the types of, you know, other types of strategic types of press releases that do very well is, you know, building on the survey and study is anything working with data. A lot of times, if you have a press release or something that you're focusing on, like your solution, your product or service, a launch type thing, you know, taking data that's already publicly available and collecting it in a way that's interesting can really, you know, level up your importance. So you can talk about 62% of the industry faces this challenge. And of these, you know, 27% acknowledge that they may fail as a result of this. And here's our solution and here's our product. And then here's a company that used it. Here were their results. And here's a quote by them. All of that can work out really well. So numbers work extremely, extremely well. Data analysis, and it doesn't have to be your data. You don't have to do a survey or study, but you could just be the person who collected a lot of that data that's out there and put it together and package it in a way that's really intriguing and interesting. Another thing that tell people to do with strategic types of releases is, you know, research your industry for blind spots or gaps. And, you know, these seem like they're like impossible to find, but often if you're at a, say a trade show, what are the things that you would talk to other people in your industry, you know, around the water cooler? Like, Hey, have you noticed that everybody who was paying net 30 is now taking like 60 or 90 days to pay? And they're like, yeah, I have noticed that. So that potentially could be a signal that hasn't been picked up in your industry or trade publications yet that there is, you know, money issues and things are being tightened and people are slow paying. And, uh, you know, another thing that works you know, really well is being the friendly jerk or the contrarian. You know, years ago, someone introduced the concept of newsjacking, where if there's a trend that, that you know, really just uh, goes throughout your industry and everybody's talking yeah. about it, that you just join the conversation. That doesn't work anymore because so many people are competing with the same messaging. But if you're the one person with the different messaging, you stand the likelihood of not getting picked up just a couple places, but many pub places that cover the topic because no one's raising their hand saying, hey, you know, I've got something to say that's negative on this issue. And here's some reasoned, reasonable, you know, cons to this, this issue. And I think that, you know, being a contrarian where you're not, you know, hurting 
your customer base. You never want to take a stand that will put you at odds with your customers, but there are ways to join conversations that are, you know, unexpected. For example, it seems like everybody loves, you know, electric cars, but if you're the one person raising your hand saying not so fast, you know, the mining of the minerals to make the batteries is not environmentally sound not to mention the labor issues with that. And we don't know what to do with these batteries at the end of their life. And when these things catch on fire, the average fire truck can't put it out. And so maybe we should slow down and address these before we widely adopt them. That's a way to be reasonable, but you're saying something that nobody else is really talking about because everybody else seems to be buying in and doing the newsjacking concept of just joining the same conversation. Interesting. Yeah, I I think it's, that's, that's some great perspectives as to how to take, you know, industry knowledge or industry chatter and turn it into something newsworthy. Because I think you're right. I definitely, you get to learn a lot when you're kind of working on issues. And it can often be seen that you forget how insightful some of that stuff actually is. And yeah, I'm intrigued for a, for a PR company, Mickey, how do you do PR? How do you like PR, your PR company? Like, how do you, because <laughs> that must be tricky to, to stand out in a world where, yeah, like, you know, again, like people might look at you as like almost like a commodity, commodity business of, of some description. Right. So, you know, we send out releases over the wire through PR Newswire. They're the oldest and largest newswire press releases in the U.S., and they're very expensive. You know, doing a 600 word press release with them is like 12 to $1,400. And through us, it's like, you know, a third of that price. And it's, you know, very interesting. They mm-hmm. market themselves to the large companies and they didn't really serve small businesses. And they saw that we did and they wanted to work with us. And I said, right. my customer base can't afford this. <laughs> so we came we came up with pricing that works for the small business owner. You just have to be a small business. You can't be like in excess of twenty five million a year in revenue, and you know get get the rate with us. But most people qualify. The the real thing is that it's an opportunity, and it has that leverage ability by going over the wire, which is really great. You know the the thing that I focus my business on personally is education, getting people to see the that the average type of press release they're doing mm. may not be be meaningful enough to get the kind of PR they're hopefully wanting and get them try to do more of the strategic types of press releases. And is AI kind of leveling the playing field? Is that making it harder from your perspective? Like is is the education less important I, because of the, the human factor? No, I think that education is, is much more important because the okay. AI can write a very well-written press release, but you know, what it chooses as a subject matter, it's not good at. It's not doing strategic types of press releases. It's doing, if you told it to write a press release that you just turned 10 years old, it's going to write the same type of press release that everybody else is doing that, you know, probably isn't getting results. However, Mm -hmm. if you approach it with prompts, then you know what the strategic thing is you want to write about and you sort of coach it paragraph by paragraph, you can get an extremely well-written press release. But I think that that analysis of strategic types of press releases, it's a little bit harder to get out of it. Now, it can be a tool for doing that. You can actually ask it, you know, what are, you know, things in my industry that are often overlooked? You know, what are the 10 things that people you know, that don't talk about in the news in my industry. 
And you might be able to pick out two or three of them and have it go for a deeper dive. Give me of this, you know, 10 more things that are sub factors of that. That can be very useful, but you have to sort of be prompt driven. And I find to get the best you know, product out of the AI, you really kind of have to strategically know what the press release is going to be about and sort of prompt it with that. And don't trust it to come up with a strategic press release. You kind of have to do the homework and that sort of work yourself. Maybe there will be a point where AI can get there, but I just haven't seen it yet. And I think that, you know, it would take a little bit more work with some really fine-tuned prompts to sort of get that. But I think that it, it is a valuable tool. And I think that the great thing about a press release is it's not the finished product. It's just a tool for journalists in which they write the article. So I see it have no problem with you putting that press release out there that's being AI generated, where if you know I have a blog, I don't want my content on the blog to be AI generated because my belief is Google can recognize it's AI generated and penalize it. But I think the great thing about a press release is it's generally not the finished product and it's going to be transformed by the words of someone else. So I think that, uh, that you know, that makes press releases perfect for using AI. Interesting. Yeah, it's like, um, I think what I'm really noticing in terms of really like the intelligent piece around PR here is, is actually the, the super hyper focus on the journalists and understanding their world. So let's, let's just talk about them briefly, Mickey. So what have you seen in the world of a journalist? Like, I feel like it's a, I'm not sure why anyone would ever want to become a journalist personally, but like, what, what, how's that? What's their world like for, like, what do you see when you interact with them? What, how are they, are they, yeah, they, they kind of, they must be bombarded with crap most They're of the time. Over, I would imagine. Yeah, overwhelmed. Journalists are expected to do more with less and right. being paid less. You know, it's not a growing industry for, for most people. That being said, it is changing a bit. The The Newswire is accepting and opening up to, say, you know, social media influencers, where before it was a challenge to get bloggers accepted as journalists with, with uh, the wires. But now they're, you know, you know, take fashion, for example. There mm. are a lot of Instagram influencers that have more clout than trade publications. And as a result, they're given access to the wire as well, which is a very valuable tool because they can go in and look at, say, fashion feeds, but they can also customize their feeds that to exclude certain keywords or include certain keywords, like make sure you capture these. And so you can make it a very valuable tool being a busy journalist to create a feed that's, that's really focused on what you cover. And and that's a great tool for you to use developing a story saying, is there something here that I could utilize? And it certainly seems to be like media companies are clearly making a bucket load of money, but it doesn't seem to be trickling necessarily down to the journalist level. And and just being an observer of, you know, Trump, like he's, I don't know, even this morning, I was like, why am I being told about Trump? you know, so heavily down here in Australia. <laughs> like it's, I just feel like the real, like it's a very distracting from perhaps some of the bigger issues going on in the US or maybe other things which we have their focus on. So like as a, from an investigative journalist or people who are trying to, people still go into journalism because they're trying to make a difference or kind of what's the driver for people in that space? I think it's a little bit different with everybody, but I think that a lot of people really like to write and, yeah. They don't feel compelled to write in a creative outlet, but to synthesize ideas and thoughts and to find the story in everyday things. You know, there are, are some really amazing stories that get written every day about 
really mundane things, but yet they bring the humanity to it and they find the story arc and put it in there. And, you know, it's, it's a way in which on a daily basis, you can interact with an audience in a way that a novelist doesn't get the opportunity to do that daily and get feedback from yeah. you know their, their colleagues as well as their readers. Interesting. So I guess it's interesting your comment there about journalists are more like gatekeepers than they are as and i think that that's a very interesting thing like they are definitely in a position of power or perhaps influence perhaps maybe a better word um do they do they get that do you think like is it is it, is it a lot of like you have to do you have to kind of beg still and you know plead for them is it, is it kind of like that or is it like a how do you get their attention given that they, they they must know that you know you could be a kingmaker for some for some of these smaller companies sure i think that you know being helpful and friendly goes a long way one of the things that I always challenge people to do is when they come to us and say, we're just looking for local media, I go, perfect, because you don't need to pay us a dime. You know, if you think about it, there's less than 10 people in your local market who would write about you. Find out who they are, get their email address, introduce yourself, and rather than write a press release, just send them a story idea and just say, hey, I've, I've seen trending in my industry, this you know topic of being green, and then we're a local dry cleaners, and we'd love to talk to you about what we do to make sure that we're you know environmentally sound and things like that. And here's, and then I always say, try to throw a quote in there, because if you have an amazing quote, a journalist can build a story around it. So Go ahead and have packaged a really compelling quote, something that you have said that, you know, it's either, you know, the art of what you said or how concise it was and powerful and that it can't easily be paraphrased. If it was, there'd be a loss to it. And, you know, that's one of the ways in which, you know, you could really attract a journalist's attention because when they see that quote, they're like, you know, yeah, I can, I, I see an article around this. Interesting. Okay, cool. So actually being friendly sounds like it puts you ahead of a bunch of people, which I can imagine business owners in their haste might come across like, you know, this is a great story. It's a great business. You should write about me. Would that be saying it's more prevalent than perhaps than it's not, Mickey? Or Yeah, I think a lot of businesses approach it just like that. And that's the wrong way to approach it. Like, you right. should just write about me. You have to kind of, you have to give them a story idea and, okay. and the, you know, sort of the, the ingredients for them to build a story. And I also think this is one of the reasons that at least with, you know, local papers that I'm aware of, you tend to see the same companies mentioned three or four times a year, like, oh, this is a company that they've written an article about. Now they're talking about them doing this charitable project. And, you know, oh, here they are again. And it's because as you pitch, you know, over time to these journalists, I say try to do it at least four times a year. They're going to get to know you. And even when they don't write about you, when they're writing an article and they're looking to plug in a local company, you're going to come to their top of mind. And that's one of the great things about making a connection and being on friendly terms with a journalist. It makes it easy for you to be selected for a future article. Interesting. Very, very cool. And where I'd like to kind of, as we start to round out the conversation, Mickey, is just come back to that one where really took off where it went was it 400 bucks and delivered 10 million dollars of sales is that did i get that right yeah wow so just tell us what was their angle what did they what did they pick up during that period which you found really resonated so so heavily 
Right. So it was basically about this initiative to help restaurants that were closed during the pandemic. And what you did was you nominated your favorite local restaurant. And if they were able to get in touch with them, they would let you know, and you could give money that would go directly to that restaurant and be backed through like a dining bond gift certificate type thing. And it, you know, at a time there was a lot of negative news and uncertainty. And here was something that was positive and something that you could do that was actionable. You know, you're sitting at home not knowing what to do and you're not doing anything. You were going out of your mind, but here was something you do. I could give 40 bucks to the local <laughs> pizza place that I love and would yeah. hate if it permanently closed. And mm. I think that that, you know, resonated really well. And I think that that's why, you know, journalists recognize we need more positive news. And here was something that was positive and also had the local angle in which you could, you know, help out local businesses all, all around. So it was nationally relevant, but local, but local action. And so it was right. super, yeah, it's super relatable. Okay. Interesting. And the timing on that just sounded perfect as well. And so when they, they come to you with that idea, Mickey, or is that one where you kind of had to craft it and walk them through? It was actually a small PR firm that works with us that came to us with the idea and right. said, what do you think of this? And I said, I think it's great. And if you want to do a press release, I'll do it at no charge. So it would have normally been $400. Wow. But I did it. I did it for free because I just thought it was a really cool concept. And I yeah. just like, this sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> but if you got the volunteers and people together to do it, it sounds amazing. And it did extremely well. Wow. That's, that's extraordinary. And I'm sure it was a, a lifeline, some of those businesses as well. So what an awesome way to uh, to finish up here, Mickey. So, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And, Mickey, what's the best way for people to connect with you if what, you know, I'm sure, even myself included, have um, certainly been educated around the, the benefits of PR and, and certainly how it, how it can benefit. But what's the best way to reach you moving forward? Sure. So my website's ereleases.com. All of our social media is on the lower right. I do have a free masterclass that is available to anyone. It's a really great place to start. It gives you the ability to do an audit for your business, to do what types of strategic types of press releases you could consider. So you'd be starting with press releases that are meaningful and more likely to get picked up. And it's at ereleases.com slash plan, P-L-A-N. And again, it's completely free, less than an hour video masterclass. Awesome. Mickey, thank you so much. That sounds like a super valuable opportunity and uh, one I'll be clicking into in just a moment. So uh, we'll put that in the, the show notes as well so that's easily accessible. And uh, Mickey, thank you so much for sharing your perspective here on Intelligent Performance. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you.